Welcome, everyone. It's Russ Galzo, Chronicles of the End Times. I hope you're all doing well today. As we continue our study in the book of Revelation, and as we look to chapter 12 today, chapter 12 is only 17 verses, but within it is so much that we may not be able to cover everything in just one 20-minute podcast. Uh, It shows a lot of what the future is, and God gives us some backfill, you know, he He's the perfect writer. He's the greatest writer of all time and storyteller. You know, and sometimes, you know, when you're reading a a good book and it gets to a certain point and then they want to take you back, you know, and show you some some information that you need to understand uh, what's going on in the story, what's happened to the characters in the past and fatten those characters up and those details and give you more information. And that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does here in chapter 12. And it's a lot of what people don't understand about prophecy and about the book of Revelation. And a lot of very brilliant people, um, they get caught up in, you know, the original Hebrew word or the Greek word of this and that and the other thing, breaking things down, which is which is great. I do it myself occasionally. You know, it gives you greater insight into the language and helps you in the study, but lots of times you can get tripped up, you know, you can, uh, you know, kind of strain at the gnat and swallow the camel, you know, as as Jesus said in the Gospels. Um, so it, sometimes we need to look at it and understand everything from Genesis to Revelation. We need to have a general idea of what the Bible is saying from start to finish, because the Holy Spirit moves back and forth in time, because God moves through time, he can show us what's happening, you know, in the future, and then what has happened in the past, and he brings them together, being that he is this phenomenal storyteller and and has seen it all. I mean, that's something sometimes our minds can't comprehend. I mean, we read about history, we study history, and we study the Word of God, uh, and we're looking at it from one perspective, but God from the beginning to the end, he has seen it all firsthand. He, he's been there watching what man does. He's been there watching over his word to perform it, as he says in Jeremiah chapter 12. God has this perspective, and so we see it here in the book of Revelation. So let's read a little bit, chapter 12, and take it piece by piece and uh, see how we do. Chapter 12, verse 1. A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads. He swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that he might devour her child the moment it was born. That's quite a picture that's being painted by the Holy Spirit here. And so let's take a look at what God's trying to tell us. The Lord is filling in now. He's he's showing us the characters that are going to be involved, the principles that are going to be involved here in this uh, chapter 12 of Revelation. So we're going to look at the descriptions that help us understand who these people are and who these images are. Uh, and what God is trying to tell us here. So this woman that is seen, 
that John sees her. She's clothed with the sun and the moon is under her feet and the crown of 12 stars on her head. And we see that she's pregnant, you know, and cried out in pain because she was about to give birth. There are many who believe that this is describing Mary because obviously she gave birth to Jesus, uh, but she was just the conduit God used. In this, what's happening here in this figurative look, we're seeing that this woman in this case is Israel. And there's a lot we can look back and see in the Old Testament when Joseph, we remember, right, when Joseph... um, had his vision, you know, and his brothers, you know, became very jealous of him. We read about that in Genesis chapter 37. And he tells his father that he has this dream. And he said, I had another dream. He says, this time the sun and the moon and the stars, the 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he's told his father this, his father says, what? Is your mother and I and your brothers going to bow down to you? You know, so Jacob knew immediately what was going on. He recognized immediately that this vision that Joseph had of the sun and the moon and the 11 stars, because he was the 12th star, was about his family, about Israel. Jacob is called Israel. And obviously, these are all the brothers who make up the tribes of Israel. And so this is another look back, it's a flashback uh, that the Lord has given us to show that This is Israel that John is seeing here, this woman representing Israel, because Israel gave birth to the Messiah. And some people say, in this interpretation, you might hear them say that um, the woman is the church. Well, the woman can't be the church, because the church did not give birth to the Messiah. And this is a messianic prophecy. Uh, Much of what's being said here now, from chapter 5 on, refers to Israel. It doesn't refer to the church. You know, it refers to God's, what God's going to do in a time of Jacob's trouble, right? This is what Israel is going to go through during the tribulation. This is going to bring them closer to God. God's going to, as we've talked about before, he's going to have his remnant. And so we see more definition of who this woman is, that she's pregnant and about to give birth. And we know that Israel gave birth to the Messiah. Now, we also know what happened, right? When Mary gave birth to Jesus, the devil was right there. It says here that this dragon was right there, ready to devour the child. Well, we don't have to be a scholar to realize that the story of Christmas, right? Where Herod wanted to know where this Messiah or this new king was going to be born, and he disguised it by telling the uh, the wise men, you know, these these great men and seers uh, from the uh, Persian area, Iraq and Iran area. They came all this that way, you know, so many miles, hundreds and hundreds of miles, and they came with their entourage, you know, these great men, these kings, uh, these wise men, as the Bible calls them. They were very wealthy, and they proved that by the gifts they brought to Jesus. And so they they weren't going to travel, you know, just three or four of them coming across the desert, you know, for all these months of travel by themselves. Uh, they had an entourage with them. They had protection. You know, they had many with them. We don't know how many, but you know that they traveled with a lot of protection and a, and a lot of goods, you know, and provisions for themselves to make the trip. 
that long trip. And so this was quite a big deal when he came to Herod. And Herod was, you know, upset because he said, you know, he thought somebody was going to take his kingdom. You know, Herod had already killed uh, some of his sons and he was ruthless, you know. And it was a saying that said, you know, you were better off being one of Herod's pigs in the pen than you were to be one of his sons because he was so ruthless and so coveted of his uh, kingdom. So he thought, you know, this is it. This is some new king, and these guys are coming all the way from Persia, and they're telling me that the stars have said that this is going to happen. We, we, so he wanted to put an end to it, right? So we know the story. He killed uh, every child, two and under, because the, the, the wise men, they didn't come back. The kings didn't come back and tell him uh, where Jesus was because they were warned in a dream not to do that because God knew, right, Herod's heart, that he was just going to try to kill Jesus. And and Satan is always trying to destroy the seed of redemption, Jesus Christ, all down through the Old Testament. He wanted to do away with Israel. He did everything he could to destroy Israel. And then when he couldn't actually wipe them off the face of the earth, he wanted to pollute them with all kinds of idolatries and all kinds of sin. So God would reject them because he was afraid, because he knew that redemption, the Son of God, the Messiah, was going to come down through Israel and be born and really rock his kingdom. So he did everything he could. So now he he missed out on all of that, and now it's finally happening. So he tries to use Herod to kill the child, and obviously that didn't work. God is filling in the blanks. He's saying, okay, this is, these are the characters, these are the people involved in this prophecy, and I want you to understand what they are. It goes on to say that he will rule with an iron scepter, this child. Well, we see that, you know, in Psalm 2, the second Psalm, verses 9 and 10. It says that you will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. So this is a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. That during the millennial reign of Christ, when he comes to reign on the earth for a thousand years, he will rule with an iron scepter. I mean, there'll be no foolishness. He will not, you know, allow anything to go on that is not righteous. So he will rule the world from Jerusalem with an iron scepter, with force and with authority. And so this defines who this child is. The Holy Spirit is making sure that we understand that he's talking about Israel and he's talking about the Messiah in this case. And so let's read on. We're going to discuss the crowns and the different heads on the dragon in a later episode uh, because chapter 13 ties into that. So let's read on. He swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so he might devour the child the moment it was born. So now we're getting a little more description. He sweeps away a third of the stars of the sky and flung them to earth. Now this is another throwback, another fill-in from when Satan fell from heaven. The scripture tells us in back in the eternities of eternities, we don't know when it was, there was a war in heaven and Satan and his angels fought against Michael and his angels and fought against the armies of heaven and lost 
and got thrown out of heaven. Now, there are many to believe that there are three archangels who are of the family of the cherubim, but these are special archangels, and that they were Michael and Gabriel and Lucifer, and that they all had this great authority that God had given them, and they had rule over one-third of the uh, force of heaven, the angels. Each of them had that. We see here that when Satan falls, he takes a third of the stars out of the sky. In other words, a third of the angels he takes with him as his army. So God's given us more and more um, information on this prophecy so we can understand what's going to happen in the further verses. Like right now, this may seem not quite as significant, but it will as we read further on and everything begins to make sense and fall into place. In verse 5, uh, the scripture tells us she gave birth to a son, a male child, who we know is Jesus the Messiah, who will rule the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and his throne. So we talked about that a little bit just a few minutes ago from Psalm 2, the second Psalm, where it talks about that God, uh, his son is going to rule with an iron scepter. So here we see that reference in, in uh, verse 5. Now we see that this child is swept up to heaven and to his throne. Now that makes it completely clear, I would think, to all of us. We know that Jesus rose from the dead and then he was 40 days. He fellowshiped uh, with his uh, apostles, uh, with his disciples, and he appeared to other people. And he made it known that he was alive and he gave them their great commission. And then he went up into the sky and the angel said you know don't fear and don't worry because the same way that you've seen him gone up to heaven is the same way he's going to come back in the clouds of glory so now we know there's no doubt about it who this is and his child is snatched up to heaven now we move to the future now we jump from the past right and god showing how satan fell from heaven and he's showing us description of who he is and that he took a third of the armies of heaven with him. And we now know that he's this red dragon as described. And we know who the woman is, that she's Israel. And now we're going to see further definition that this woman is Israel in verse 6 and on. It says, The woman fled into a desert place prepared for her by God, where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. Now, here again, we're starting to see the measurement of days, right? The 1,260 days, which are based on lunar months, right? 30 days, because that's how Israel held their festivals, and that's how their calendar worked. So this is three and a half years, right? So we're back into this three and a half years of tribulation. So during the tribulation period, the woman, Israel, is going to escape to a place prepared for her by God, and she'll be taken care of there for three and a half years. So the faithful of Israel, okay, those who when the Antichrist reveals himself, escape, and they run for their lives. See, part of Israel will stay, and they'll embrace the Antichrist along with the rest of the world. But there'll be a remnant, okay? We don't know how large that remnant could be. It could be a million people. We have no idea how many will escape into the desert. 
But there is a place that God has prepared for them, and many believe that is Petra in Jordan. And there are many reasons for that. We could talk about that in a little bit. But now we know that Israel, the woman, was going to flee into the desert for 1,260 days. We know that this is a future event, not as some feel that this is when, you know, uh, Joseph and Mary left with Jesus and they went into Egypt, remember, for a period of time until God called them out of Egypt and said it was safe because Herod had died, right? So many people say, well, this is the interpretation of that. No, for many, many reasons. One is the Lord's already defined, the Holy Spirit's already defined in the earlier chapters that these are the things that are going to transpire in the future. And we see that in chapter 1, verse 19, where Jesus told John, he says, write therefore what you have seen, what is now, and what will take place later. So we know this is a future event. And the reference to 1,260 days should really verify that in our minds because we've seen that in Daniel and we've seen that here in Revelation several times. And we know that the tribulation period is seven years. So this is the three and a half year period. So in the second half of that seven years, those second uh, that second part, those three and a half years, God is going to take the remnant of Israel, the ones that he wants to save, the ones that he's going to deal with, he's going to keep them in the desert. Now, he's done this before, right? He kept Israel for 40 years in the desert. So here he's going to keep them for three and a half years. And many believe, as I do, that that could very well be Petra. Uh, because in Daniel, there's a prophecy that uh, Moab, uh, which is that region, okay, of what is now Jordan, uh, will escape somehow the wrath of the Antichrist. And we don't know how that's going to transpire, whether he makes a deal with them, cuts a deal with them, or it's just the Spirit of God that has found this place in Jordan, Petra, where he's going to protect Israel, and that's the reason why. Either way, we know it's true because it's in the Scripture, and he says he's going to protect them, and he's going to take care of them. And so then we see in verse 7 that there's a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and he lost his place in heaven. And the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth, and his angels with him. Now here's a key verse. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. Now, why is that a key verse? Because we see in the book of Job, you could take a look at it, that Satan had the ability even though he was cast out of heaven in the eternities of go, right? And he was cast down to the, the cosmos. He was cast down to this world, the atmosphere. He was bound to the atmosphere of this earth. And so, but he still had the ability to go before the throne. Because remember how he accused Job and he tried to antagonize God into doing something to Job. And 
he had the ability to accuse Job. And so still today, even right now, the devil has the ability to go to heaven and present himself to God along with the other angels, as you'll see pictured in uh, in Job. So let's take a look at that scripture right now. So it's chapter 2, and we're going to read the first few verses. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord, from roaming through the earth, going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you have enticed me against him to ruin him without reason. So here we see Satan in front of the throne. He's been thrown out of heaven, but he still has access And he's accusing Job. And he accuses us day and night. This is what he does. He's a liar and a cheat. And he accuses you and me constantly, those of us who know the Lord. Why? Because he wants God to destroy us. He's constantly tempting God. He tempted God over and over again to destroy Israel. He led Israel to all kinds of idolatry and sexual sins and all kinds of murders and everything just to try to get God to give up. And he's doing the same thing to you and me today. He'll say, oh, well, look, you know, look, there's Russ again. Look what he's doing now, you know. God, he's not worth it. You should just get rid of him. You know, he's he's not faithful, blah, blah, blah. He, he will continue to accuse me. He'll continue to accuse you. And the angels, think about it. They had to listen to this guy go on and on and on constantly. It must be like, more than they can handle, just a constant torment, okay? So now in verse 10, they're rejoicing. They're saying, finally, the dragon has been hurled down. Finally, we don't have to listen to him who accused our brothers day and night anymore. We don't have to listen to him. Now he's banned from coming up to the earth, okay? So there's several falls of Satan, the original fall, right, when he was one of the archangels, Bible said he was beautiful, endowed with wisdom and strength. You know, he was close to God. He walked with God, it says. And then till iniquity was found in him, till he, they found pride in him and it built up in him. And he said, I'm going to be I'm going to be like God. I'm going to take over. And he was just infatuated with his own beauty and wisdom. And then the war happened and he got thrown out. But like we've been talking about, he had access to the throne to still, you know, mock on us and try to get God to get rid of us and to give up on us. And now in this portion of Scripture, he's being thrown out completely. He has now lost all access to heaven. No more. And this is where we see the Antichrist come and build his power because Satan now is on the earth. Verse 11, it says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives as so much to shrink from death. Now Satan is on the earth, and he's persecuting Christians, and he's persecuting the people of Israel that want to follow the true God. Verse 12 says, Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. 
But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. What does that mean? You hear that? Some of you have heard that phrase a long time. You know, the devil knows his time is short. He knows for sure that his time is short in this piece of scripture. He knows in, in the future there's going to come a time when he's no longer able to do the things he did before. And he knows that he's confined to the earth. And he also knows that he only has three and a half years left. The devil knows the scripture. He may pervert it to try to trick us and twist and turn it like he did with Jesus in the desert. But we come back with the truth, the pure scripture, that's not twisted and distorted, to rebuke him. And that's the only thing we need to use. We need the word of God because that's the truth. So he comes at us with lies and deceit, and we come at him with truth, the pure word of God. So now he knows that he's down on the earth. So the scripture says, woe to those on the earth and the sea. That's all those who are left on the earth during the tribulation period. So this event happens three and a half years into the tribulation period, where God says, no more, get out of here. And he's banned from coming up to heaven. And now he's on the earth. And now he's going to pour out his wrath because he knows his time is short. In verse 13, it says, when the dragon saw that he had been hurled down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. What does that mean? He is going to go after Israel with all he has. And that includes raising up this Antichrist figure, which many believe Satan will actually inhabit, just like he did Judas. If you remember that scripture in the Last Supper, it says Satan entered Judas. And many believe that because Judas is called the son of perdition and the Antichrist is called the son of perdition, that the two are linked in the sense that Satan, he entered Judas and Satan will enter this figure, the Antichrist. So this Antichrist figure will go from this man who was just driven by uh, desire to rule, and all of a sudden he will become a supernatural being as Satan enters him, and he becomes the full-blown Antichrist, which institutes the mark of the beast and all this tremendous persecution and killing that he's going to do. He's going to go after the saints of God who are left from the who didn't come in the uh, rapture. And we see that in Revelation chapter 7, right? We studied that. We're millions upon millions, John saw. And the elders said, these are those who came out of the great tribulation. And not only that, but he's going to pursue the woman. He's going to pursue Israel. And he's going to try to destroy Israel by deceit and also just pursue those and try to kill those who want to follow Christ. And that's why the woman leaves, right? That's why the woman is described that she runs into the wilderness. And we see that in verse 14 again. The woman was given two wings of a great eagle, the scripture says, so that she might fly to the place prepared for her in the desert, where she will be taken care of for times, times, and a half time out of the serpent's reach. Now, once again, we're seeing a definition, right? We're seeing it's tied together. We, we talked about how the woman flees to the desert in verse 6. And now here in verse 14, 
Again, God is underlying it. So the woman was given two wings and she flies into the desert. She escapes where she's going to be taken care of. And now now we see an important piece. We've talked about the 1,260 days. And I've been saying, and many say, that that's the three and a half years of the tribulation. Well, here we see that that defined and underlined and emphasized so we don't miss it. It says she'll be taken care of for times, times, and a half time out of the serpent's reach. So that's three and a half years as interpreted by Daniel. Now we have the formula, right? Times, times, and a half time that we saw in the book of Daniel. We now understand this is to be the 1,260 days because of the parallel between the two scriptures. And so we're going to wrap up with that. It's a little longer broadcast today than normal, but um, very, very vital. And from his mouth spews some water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away. So I want you to kind of understand and try to picture this. Let's say we're in the middle of three and a half year tribulation and all of Israel has been duped up to this point that this Antichrist figure is the Messiah. And now the rebuilt temple, he goes and reveals himself as God. Now at this point, there's those who are going to be deceived and continue to be deceived and follow him. And there's going to be a great many people, the remnant of Israel, who are going to say, no way that this is right. And they're going to flee and they're going to run. This is the remnant that God's going to take into the deserts. You can see these hundreds of thousands of people running Picture that in your mind, just like it was a movie, running from this declaration on the Temple Mount. There they all, everybody's there. It's a big celebration. All of a sudden he says, yes, and I'm now God. I want you to worship me. And he goes into the Holy of Holies where nobody's allowed to go except the high priest. And so he just defiles everything. And so now they run. Those, those that know this is wrong, they run and they flee into the desert. And the scripture says that he sends out a river after them. What's it mean? He's sending out a great army. He's chasing, he's sending his army after them to devour them and to kill them and slaughter them in the desert. But the scripture says that when the dragon was enraged and she saw the woman, he went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Picture this, they're all running for their lives into the desert he sends his army out after them. There could be a sandstorm, an earthquake, whatever God decides to use, swallows up the army, and they escape into the desert where God is going to keep them for three and a half years. And now the dragon, Satan, now the Antichrist, is so enraged that he is going to persecute and kill all those who obey God's commandment and hold the testimony of Jesus. An incredible, incredible, powerful chapter, chapter 12. Now we're going to go into chapter 13 in a little bit in the next podcast, and we're going to tie in uh, that verse 3 that we left out for this time being, which talks about the seven heads and the ten horns and the seven crowns. We're going to go back to that because it's revisited in chapter 13. So I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope you're getting something from it. And uh, listen, you just continue to serve the king. Keep walking with the Lord. Go to Amazon today. I'd appreciate your support for the ministry. And I believe that you will be blessed by both series that are out on the edge of time, which goes into great detail on the subject we just discussed. 
and hidden thrones. God bless. Talk to you soon.